episode 176 of the Whatnots Review Show, where every week we pick a story and we talk about it. It could be a movie, TV series, anime, comic book, audio drama, all kinds of entertainment. We watch it, read it, listen to it, and then we come back here and we discuss it. My name is Melissa Wilkinson, and I am joined, as always, by my co-captain, Kyle Springer. Good morning. How's it going, Melissa? It's going okay. I'm getting ready to decorate for Halloween today. Ooh, yeah. It's about that time. Mm -hmm. time. Pumpkin time. Absolutely. I, uh, we haven't really started to think about fall stuff here at my house yet. We are thinking about having a Halloween party, though. We have a big backyard and we have a fire pit and stuff like that. And we were thinking like, ooh, we could get a, a, a projector and put some scary movie mm. on and stuff like that. And just, ha you know, use the backyard space that we got there. But, uh. That's good. We'll, we'll, we'll see what we end up doing. Today, we are starting another one of our end-of-the-month special episodes, watching one show all the way through to its conclusion, and we are talking about The Leftovers. This is a show co-created by Damon Lindelof, who worked yeah. on Lost, uh, which is mostly why we picked it. Kind of. <laughs> so we vibrate <laughs> on a Lost frequency. We follow Lost-like things. Yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah, you and I are both big fans of Lost, and that's kind of how we connected. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, you, 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 you had come on to one of the Whatnots live streams once before, but when I started to need some, some help because uh, mm -hmm. Paul stepped down, you were like, hey, I could potentially do it. And so I was like, okay, who are you? And you were like, I like Lost. <laughs> and I was like, good, you're right. hired. <laughs> That's the only credential you need. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I would say Lost is one of my favorite shows. It's a show I will always defend, but yes. will be one of the first to let you know, yes, it had some glaring flaws. Oh, definitely. Uh, and, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Lost is messy. But it's uh, a mess that I'm very, very fond of. And Agreed. it's a mess that I found rewarding. Agreed. Indeed. Uh, yeah, so we're, we're watching The Leftovers Season 1. How did you, mm -hmm. like, I, do you remember when this was coming out? Because I feel like it wasn't <sighs> too long ago. No, I was going to ask you. I think you've got the Wikipedia open. What year did this start? Was this like 2014? Let me see here. It aired on it, HBO it from June 29th, 2014 to June 4th, okay. 2017. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, yeah, I, I, I like vaguely remember when this was a thing that like, oh, the creator of Lost is making something new. Yeah. This is his next show. But this is kind of when when Netflix was really the only streaming service around except for Hulu. Yeah, you Netflix, know? Hulu, Prime. I mean, I mean, things were around, but it was still just like Netflix is the main main one yeah. here. So H HBO was something I didn't have access to. Yeah. Um, and so this just kind of never really made it onto my radar and stuff like mm -hmm. that. So. Missed it when it was coming out, but I've always been interested. Um, 
because it, it seemed like it had a good central mystery and was doing a lot of the same like style of character work that Lost potentially was. Um, and so, yeah, like I've, I've, I've been curious and I've managed to stay away from like spoilers and stuff of what actually happened yeah. or what actually <laughs> this is about and stuff like that. So I'm 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 inter- I'm interested to see where the show goes and I'm excited to talk about it today. Yeah, I only know one thing about how the show continues. I I think I heard it on some podcast interview with Damon Lindelof. Maybe it was the Lost podcast, The Storm. I'm not sure. But the one thing that I heard about how the series progresses is what sold me on watching this show. I think I mentioned okay. it to you. I, if if, yeah. if you did, I've completely forgotten what that okay. detail is. So that's fine. Then we'll talk about it. Uh, they've set it up. Uh, we'll talk about it in season two or in season three, whenever this punchline arrives. Sure. Sure. Good. Waiting for the punchline. Cannot wait. Mm. Good stuff. Good stuff. Uh, yeah. The Leftovers. Season one. Melissa, what did you think? I this show is stylistically really impressive. I love how the show is done. And when it started out, it took me a while to settle into the tone of the thing because it is pretty melancholy, (laughs) which isn't a tone I normally operate on. But I wonder if this is true for you, too. When I hit episode three, then I was completely sold. I'm like, okay, I'm I'm in it. I'm in it for the whole time. Beyond the fact that I already agreed to do so for a podcast. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, well, I have to anyways, but (laughs) yeah. Now we're going okay. to enjoy it more. Sold on episode three, then. Yeah, it's 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 a bit of a melancholy show. Um, I I I kind of feel like this is more so in a direct response to the criticism of Lost, where hmm. Lost was very much fo- like, or at, at least seemed to be focused on the mysteries and like, ooh, what's the island? Who yeah. are the others? What's this Dharma Initiative thing? What's all this time travel stuff? Uh, surprise if you d- d- didn't know Lost <laughs> has a bunch of time tra- travel stuff. Uh, and yes, you do find out why there's a polar bear there, at least if you read between the lines. Yeah. And like it's it's really focused on those mysteries. And I think that's what a lot of people got caught up on. And this there is this like central event that this show kind of revolves around. And at least here in season one, doesn't really explore it all all that much. It's 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 just like it happened. But that's not what the show is about. Like, we're, we're not focusing mm. on that or uh, what the cause was. Was this scientific? Yeah. Was this a terrorist attack? Who knows? It's just, no, we're, we're just going to see how, <laughs> how people cope with losing loved ones and yeah. how, how they try and move on or how they fail to move on. Mm. Um, and it's, it's, it's a lot of really interesting character work. It is. Yeah. The premise of the show. Oh, and we should also say it's based on a novel by Tom Parada, which I'm not familiar with. I didn't know this was based on a novel. Yeah, and the same. author, uh, 
co-produces the show, I think wrote at least the season finale episode. Yeah, so it's it's based in something. This wasn't an original idea for TV. So I think a lot of what we're talking about may have already been present in the novel. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. But, but I, I for for Damon Lindelof specifically for him to do this kind of show, it, it, it yeah. just seems like, hey, I get it. Too much mystery. How about one inciting mystery to get you interested? But then we yeah. just don't talk about it. Right. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the inciting mystery is that uh, one day. 2% of the entire world's population suddenly disappears. This isn't even like Infinity War where they like turn to dust and you see it. No, it's like they're there one frame and gone the next. Yeah. And there's seemingly no pattern, no explanation. People have been trying to investigate this. Like, is this something? Yeah. Is it scientific? Is it supernatural? Is it spiritual? And the show starts three years after that day. And mm -hmm. it's not about that mystery but it is about how the existence of that mystery affects people how they're dealing with loss how they're moving on and why they're moving on the new purpose that they try and find in life and it yeah. all takes place it mostly takes place in this like small town uh in new york state called mapleton focusing on kevin garvey who is the town sheriff and uh just trying to keep peace in the town you know trying to continue to raise his teenage daughter after his wife has left the family to join a mysterious cult. Yep. Indeed. Yeah. There, there's, there's a lot in, in here, I think to really dig into and unpack, uh, especially as this show continues. Um, but yeah, I, I enjoyed the show. I think it took me longer to get into it. I, to, I, yeah, I mean, you 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 said like like, like stylistically, the, the show is made really well. Like I I it's mm -hmm. it's it's a fascinating show to watch, but at the same time, I was also kind of bored. At at, at times, like I it's I I was, but I wasn't. Like I'm I'm interested in the ingredients in this show, yeah. but they they haven't made the cake yet. If that makes sense. So I'm still just like, huh, okay. Where are you yeah. going? With yeah. This? And it is a, a slower paced show. And season one does feel very exploratory. And like it's setting up a lot of things on a chessboard, but we haven't gotten to a lot of the. I, I still feel like the best of the tension is ahead of us. Yeah. I, I believe so too. Especially with the way season one finished. I, I I have to say I was very, very Im impressed with the way it finished because it, it, mm. it was this like. Beautiful. Uh, yeah, like you, you, you said, like chess, like they're, they're moving p pieces into place. And by the end of season one, you're like, oh, all of these pieces are in place over here. I see. OK. Yeah. interesting like I, I i did not know that that's what it was kind of going for or leading to yeah. it was just like okay interesting i'm excited to and watch season two now uh, yeah and things are morphing there's one storyline that at the beginning of the season you think is going to be one thing and then by the end of the season it's uh that initial premise has kind of been nullified and it turns into something completely different yeah yeah 
absolutely um yeah i i lots of cool characters he, here uh i do have to say for uh the daughter i don't remember her name off the top of my my head jill. but jill uh oh yeah that, that's right because she's played by margaret quayley i believe is how you say her name i think I, so i think so what do you- i i is there something you know her from? Because I kept looking at her thinking she looked familiar. There's something I know her from. I don't think it would be that you know her from. Okay. She plays a character in the video game Death, Stur- Death Stranding. Oh! Uh, which I yeah. played two years ago. Yeah, it's like her likeness and her, her voice acting okay. and, and stuff like that. She plays a character named Mama and her twin sister Lockney. Um. So she's in that, but that's the only thing that I knew her from. And so when she showed okay. up in this, I was like, she's so familiar. Like, what do I know her from? Yeah. And then I looked her up and I, it was like, <laughs> she's in Death Stranding. I was like, oh, okay. I played that There's game. There's a lot I of that one. This is a great cast. There's a lot of people that I did mean to look up. Uh, like, where have I seen you before? <laughs> yeah. Why are you familiar to me? Yeah, lots of good stuff. Um. We'll we'll get into all of that, but mm-hmm. yeah, in, in interesting show. I recommend it. Like we yeah. said, it is kind of melancholy. There's a bunch of like melodic piano scores underneath <laughs> uh, things, and yeah, it, it's yeah. just it like it's not it's not sad per se. There are a, there there is a lot of sadness in the show, but that like it's it, I the show never really got me down if that makes sense yeah i think there's enough for your brain to chew on that it is uh intriguing enough to keep propelling you forward yeah absolutely uh do you have any other kind of final spoiler free thoughts before we get into no let's let's go ahead let's clean our house and let's get to talking Let's do it. Let's take a quick break for housekeeping. And then when we come back, we will dive into spoilers and get a little bit deeper into the leftovers. We'll be right back. We put a lot of hard work into the shows that we make. And yes, we make multiple different shows here at The Whatnots. And we'd love it if you would check them all out. You can find out more information on our website at thewhatnots.com, as well as your favorite podcasting platform of choice. When you type in The Whatnots, all of our shows will pop up right there. Just don't forget to give us a nice rating and review if you like the shows. If you want to support what we do here at The Whatnots, patreon.com slash thewhatnots is the best place to do that. You can support us for as little as a dollar a month. You can get all kinds of exclusive content at the $3 tier. You can also get a shout out and thank you on all of our shows at the $5 tier. You can support us on Twitch by subscribing to our channel at twitch.tv slash the whatnots. And we would love to have you all join us for our live streams and talk with us in the chat. And lastly, we have merch. If you want to grab yourself a shirt or a sweatshirt or a mug or something else, go to the whatnots.com slash store to pick up some merch today. And we are back. Big shout out to our Patreon supporters at the $5 tier and above. So thank you to Sam. We appreciate Thanks, it. Sam. We love you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, cool things that we have been d- d- doing here at the Whatnots that you should know about. 
just yes, two days ago, uh, we <laughs> did an interview with Stephanie Cook on the Captain's mm-hmm. Log. Uh, you guys should go check that out. She has written a number of comics and g- graphic novels. Uh, she has a middle grade g- g- graphic novel out right now called Paranorthern. Uh, if you want some some good, spooky, funny t- times, I think that will be one to check out. Uh, she's also the host of Capercast, a podcast where they t- talk all about heist movies mm. and caper movies and st- stuff all like that. Uh, so I, it's it's uh, it, it was good to have her on the show because I've I found her and her work through a podcast years ago. Uh, and that was actually the first podcast that I got into, period. Like, that was the f- first one that week in and wake out, I went to Talking Comics to do all of that stuff. But we got to have her on the show. And there may be a underground pillow fighting league in that conversation so you might want to yeah. go check that one out <laughs> goes goes to a lot of places it sure does <laughs> good fun stuff uh cool let us get on into spoilers spoiler mode here we go here we are mm-hmm. doing our thing um yes an interesting cast that's I think where uh-huh. I want to start. I, okay. I I did not know that Liv Tyler uh was in this. I I have a like schoolyard crush on her and always have. She's, uh, she's so pretty. She's she so really pretty is. and she's got one of the most beautiful voices, just speaking voices you've ever heard. And then they make Which her be ironic, silent yeah. for a lot of episodes. <laughs> yes, and then she will likely continue to be silent. Yeah. Um, which I, I, which is an interesting thing for some of those actors too, because I, I, I don't know how that works, especially for someone like Liv Tyler, who's a more well-known actress, uh, and, and usually people are kind of paid based on if they speak or not and how much they speak. And I'm, I'm not sure exactly how all that works, but I know mm-hmm. if you're like a, in, in, if you are in extra on set or someone who's not supposed to speak, right, and then you do say something, they either have to like redo that take or be like, actually, we like that line. Can 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 we pay him a little bit more for yeah. that speaking role? Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know how that work, I, works. I, I just thought that was interesting, though, to be like, yeah, let's get the, the you know, this big name actor and just have him not speak. Yeah, Which doesn't mean that they're not acting. It's it's mm-hmm. it's, it's just like, a, yeah, it's an interesting role to take. Yeah, one that what a I feel like challenge. I could do because I don't have to memorize lines. Right? I can just be like, well, you have to memorize what you write down on your notepad, which is the <laughs> the cult in this town is called the Guilty Remnant. And all of their members take a vow of silence. They only communicate by, like, writing on a notepad. They also wear all white and not even, like, mystical-looking white robes. It's just, like, normal everyday clothes, but they bought the white one of everything. And they're constantly smoking. 
<laughs> they just yeah, stand just aggressively outside, silently smoking at you. It's it's a it's a very very striking uh, yeah. <laughs> image um, that it's 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 funny, but it's it's not. It's spooky, but it's not. It's it's yeah. terrifying, but it's not. It's just like it's this thing that just seems out of place. Yeah, <laughs> definitely the most unique uh, variation on a cult I've ever seen in a TV show, I guess. Not that that comes Absolutely. up in a lot of shows that I'm watching. And they they're pretty mysterious. I think by the end of the season, you've got a greater sense of like what their ideals are. But it's still a little foggy, like specifically what they want, what their win condition is mm-hmm. and uh, why they choose certain people to try and lure them into the group. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I, I I liked this cast a lot. I I thought for some reason in my mind that uh the main character, Kevin Gagarvey, was gonna be a different actor. I, I, I don't know. Like I this is just like a preconceived notion in my head of uh-huh. like, oh, it's it's pr- probably an actor that I know. I just I don't know where from. And then I saw justin thoreau in this and i'm not familiar with him Um, he was in maniac which uh i watched yeah yeah he's the um that doctor who's like wearing a toupee who they bring in because like the computer is based on his mom (laughs) he's that guy i've seen that um, yeah, and I watched it um just earlier oh this summer when you were like out on vacation. That's an episode a friend of the show Jack came on and did with me. And yeah, I was I kept trying to get my brain to like Oh my god. Uh like I understood this is the same actor and he looks very different because it's like I like in this show he's kind of scruffy and in Maniac he's like very clean shaven and his hair is very different portraying a like very different guy but my brain was like are you sure are you sure that's the same man so (laughs) drastically different performances way to go justin thoreau apparently we are pretty familiar with his work he uh was in maholland drive he was an american psycho uh he was in the most recent lady in the and the tramp uh but he's also all movies i have not seen have not come up on this podcast sure not on this podcast but at least in like in pop culture you know the name a a human knows justin thoreau yeah yeah was also credited as a screenwriter on such films as Tropic Thunder and and the superhero film Iron Man 2. Whoa! He was a screenwriter on Iron Man 2. Interesting. Wow. Many skills. Yeah. Um. But this is, yeah, the first that I'm personally... Seeing of him, I guess, accepts Maniac, but I, I yeah, mm-hmm. I, it, it's been There's a, a lot going on in Maniac. It's easy there to forget is. one aspect of that show. Yeah, there is. There's a lot. Um, but yeah, so he like he was just someone that I was not. And he's his up until 
2017 or from 2015 to 2017 he was married to jennifer aniston just happened to see that on his wikipedia page um but yeah i i wasn't super familiar with him so i was just like oh huh okay not what i thought not who i was expecting to to lead this show and then i mentioned margaret quayley that plays his daughter jill doesn't necessarily look like a high schooler. I don't know exactly how old she is. It, I, it's I, one of those I bought her as being things. like 17. Yeah. Oddly, oddly enough, I bought it more when she looked younger and had the <laughs> braces. <laughs> yeah. Like she, she, yeah, she, she put- nailed that. Yeah, she like very clearly differentiated between like fourteen year old Jill and like seventeen year old Jill yeah, in the episode that, that, where we have a flashback. Kind of wild. Yeah, um, yeah. But then I I was also really impressed with uh, the son. What was his yeah. name? Tommy. Uh, uh, yes. Yeah, he. Like we 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 don't get too much of him. But it, we got enough that I I I really liked what they did with him, uh, and I I I thought he had some fantastic performances. Yeah, great cast all the way around. I think the shining star for me is Christopher Eccleston, yep, <laughs> and like yep, yep. he's episode three focuses on his character. The first two episodes we follow a lot of different storylines. From all these people around town and Tommy, who's like the one person outside of town. He Mm -hmm. like left town to go to college, got involved in an additional cult. And he's like uh, kind of traveling around. And eventually at the end of the season, he gets back to to Mapleton. Yeah, so the first two episodes, we check in with everybody. Episode three is just Matt. (laughs) It's only Christopher Eccleston's character and his journey. We like specifically zoomed in on one person which I I really liked. And they don't do it often. It's not like Lost where every episode had island stuff, but also it was like one person's flashback episode where we're like, this is what Hurley was doing before he got to the island. I mean, they, they, don't, they kind of did that in this. We got are, one for, s- for Matt. We got yeah, one for Nora. We got one for yeah. um, Kevin. Right? And like, I suppose so. Yeah. But like Kevin's interacting with like there. everybody else in town. Yeah. Like it's not there's some element of it there, but it's not as far as like Lost was doing it. But I like this balance. I like this mystery of I'd love to know more about Meg. When will I have that opportunity? (laughs) Maybe not until like end of season two where they'll be like, okay, here's your Meg episode. Yeah, I I I also want to give a big shout out to nora and i believe the actress's name is carrie coon um yes reminds me a lot of she reminds me a lot of anna torv from fringe oh i see that or for hunter there's like every now and again they they just they look so similar or they have like a certain mannerism or their voice or or, or something uh and i really like anna torv so to see uh carrie in in this was like i'm getting a lot of these 
vibes and I really like it. <laughs> I like her character. Yeah. This is interesting. One uh, face I was happy to see again. I, I meant to make sure this was the same guy. I'm like 90% sure. Isn't Kevin's dad the town sheriff from Castle Rock? Do you remember when we watched Castle Rock like two years ago? Uh, uh, yeah, I don't remember if he's in Castle Rock. Uh, the, the, I, the actor's name is, um, God, what is his name? Um, I, I, I know him as Stick from Daredevil on oh, Netflix. Oh, right! Yes, he's, he's that makes the, sense. The, the one that, that trained Matt Murdock. That would also be the same guy. I'm going to look this up now. Now I'm going to head to my Glenn. IMDb. Yeah, was name. he on Castle Rock? Right. Let me see here. Let's see. Filmography. He's in a bunch of movies. Um, not Castle Rock. Yes, he was in Castle Rock as Alan Pangborn. Yes. And Castle Rock was a show I like wasn't super fond of. That show was a, a real bummer. Like <laughs> Like it did some things that I thought were really interesting. There's one episode of the show that I think is beautiful, but on the whole, it was like way too grim for me. But I loved that performance and that has stuck with me, you know, after like two years and change of watching so many different things for the show week after week. I was delighted to see Scott Glenn again. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think one other um, familiar face, uh, this is something else I meant to double check and didn't. I think Elliot and Darlene's mom is one of the other conference goers in the Nora episode. I think she's one of the other people they're partying with in that suite. Again, didn't make sure. May have just been a lady that reminded me of that mom. And the the reminiscence enough was like, oh boy, what a treat. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, star-studded cast in this show. But the, I mean, it's HBO. They, they, yeah. they... They usually can pull some big names or, or at, at least some like like really, really good lesser known actors that when you see, see, see them, you just fall in love. You're just like, oh, man, they're so good. Who are they? I want to know more. Um, yeah. Yeah. I <laughs> lots of interesting character work. What what are you so you mentioned uh the one that focused on Matt, the priest, yeah. is was was he your favorite character? Was was he the oh. one that you like got sucked into <laughs> the most? It might have been him, and also in a shocking turn of events, I really liked the teens in this show. And I've, okay. I've mentioned often before that I can get like burnt out on teen stories. <laughs> I frequently, as a 30-year-old, want to see other 30-year-olds. I want to see more adults. But I I really like Jill. I thought Jill's best friend Amy was interesting. She was I fantastic, we, yeah. She, she kind of departs the show a bit at the end of the season. I hope she's back later. And those two twins, they've got these friends who are just <laughs> these two dopey twin teenage boys who have no uh, dramatic level to them. They're like not overtly comic relief. They're just like these teenage dork boys. And they're such a delight. They had such. Yeah, they had such a nice levity to the show. And they're both like so sweet. Like they're both pretty nice guys. I love in the first episode where like I think Jill's going to like give him a ride home from a party or something like that. 
and they mm-hmm. open up the trunk of Kevin's car because she borrowed Kevin's car. <laughs> and there's a dead dog back there, which is part of another plot. And the three of them are just staring in the back of the trunk. And one of the boys just says, you know, there's a dead dog in the back of your car. <laughs> just like, yes, thank you. We, we know we're all looking. Right. <laughs> <sighs> Good stuff. Yeah, I. I I think for me the most interesting characters um ended up being kind of the the, the people in the cult it, like in in yeah. the 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 guilty remnant they're later uh of the cult or the, the the one that is like at least in charge of this chapter uh because apparently they're all over the country yeah uh yeah patty was a really interesting character uh i hope we get to see more of her in season two and three despite what happened to her there seems to be this uh maybe you can see ghosts maybe you're going crazy and just imagining things and hallucinating i don't know but um Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'd, I'd, li- I'd like to see more of her in the show because she's a really, really powerful presence in the show where she she is this like immovable object. Right, like she she is this force that is kind of directing things and orchestrating things, but mm. also isn't really saying what she means and yeah, this, stuff like that. She's. She is one of the show's mysteries. And I like I I I want to know more about her and her story because we we do start to get some of the like lost like flashbacks where it's like, oh, OK, yeah. so this p- p- character was uh, this character's therapist and this is the dog breeder that they were g- going to buy a dog f- yeah. f- f- from and the car crash that we saw in the pilot was actually this other character like like there there is some of that stuff in 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 there i'm like this is lost i i i see what's happening here yeah um yeah but it it's not to the extent that lost did all of that that stuff but it's just it's interesting to see where she was before the the departing or I, I guess that's what it's called um and yeah and, the departure yes yeah and then to see where she is after and to see that that change in her character is drastic um yeah and so yeah like i, I want to know more about her yeah this show is maybe the best show i've ever seen at leaving holes in the story very deliberately leading, leaving holes for you to wonder about. Like the, um, I mentioned that the everything takes place like three years after the departure. And then the right. second to last episode of the season is a flashback to the day before the departure and like that morning when it happens. Yeah. Uh, but you don't see anything really from between those two times. <laughs> so there's still a lot left up to your imagination. Uh, a surprise I thought was really interesting, you know, not a huge plot twist, but we see um, Kevin and Jill living in this house. Uh, you yeah. know, we know that like um, Tommy like went off to college and then he got wrapped up in this cult thing with Wayne. 
We know that Lori left to join this, you know, join the guilty remnant there in town. Um, but then in this flashback episode, you find out that three years ago, they lived in a completely different house. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're in this like very nice, like, you know, it's a crisp white, like modern house with like big art pieces on the wall. And it seems like, you know, maybe like Lori was the one who was like the breadwinner or something. Mm-hmm. Maybe that was her, like, you know, the, the house she chose. And after she joined the cult, she's like, I, I sold the house and Kevin has to like move in somewhere else. <laughs> that might be yeah. like his dad's old house. I'm not sure. Uh, but the fact that also in those three years, these characters like completely moved homes within the town. It's very minor, but it's something that you take for granted is. Ah, yes, this house where we see the family is where the family has always been. No, the location change was also part of it. Right, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. I I feel like each character has their own interesting facet. Um, So so I I mentioned the end of season one here, and I thought that was... Maybe the best thing that happened within season one here of just where where it all ended up, because this show very much is a show about loss and coping and moving on or, hey, it's 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 okay if some people do it faster, some people do it slower. It's yeah, there's there's all sorts of stuff, but. Kevin being the main character, his family is torn apart. Um, He didn't necessarily lose anyone immediate, at least that we know of just Mm -hmm. yet. Um, But like, yeah, because of this departure, his family gets torn apart. The wife basically leaves him for this cult where she's not speaking she eventually wants a divorce uh that yeah t- 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 tommy then drops out of college and gets involved with this mm-hmm. cult yeah and just seems to be more and more d- 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 distant and jill is kind of the only like remaining one but even she it, like has a lot of just like i like i the stuff that's happening here is not good i hate what's happening um yeah and acting just, out a lot it's a lot of stuff yeah and then at the mm-hmm. end of the show there's a crazy sequence where uh where patty who we mentioned uh ends up being abducted by kevin in this drunken blackout hallucination no, no i don't even know if he's drunk like kevin throughout the season has yeah, he. I think he thinks like maybe he's having bad dreams, you know, and then like very vivid dreams. And then he wakes up and he's like not sure was that a dream? Was I sleepwalking? Yeah. Did I go out and do some of that? And his father was the town sheriff before him, and he had uh he had a a mental illness episode. It seems like he has other voices in his head that he's talking to, and he was removed from the position. And Kevin was already on the force but then he got promoted to like the town sheriff the leader yeah <laughs> sort of having to suddenly follow in his father's footsteps when maybe there was not a planned retirement so he's struggling with that position particularly like 
in the situation the town and the entire world is in and he's worried like am i going to turn out like my dad whatever condition he has am i going to get that either through biology or through stress right yeah so he's he's dealing with all of that and ends up abducting patty who then ends up killing herself in the midst of all of of that matt comes to help kevin dispose of the body and right. cover this up and it's kind of wild uh just, the, the, the whole thing like, just feels like a fever jareem yes and like, like what is kevin like keeps having hallucinations like on the drive back like there's a like he kevin matt is driving him back to town uh and then they pull up outside like some sort of an institution and matt's like kevin i'm sorry but like you know i had to take you here and then Kevin's brought into the institution, turns out it's the same place where his dad is. And like you think all of that is real. And then Ghost Patty shows up and you think, OK, is Ghost Patty real? Is Ghost Patty a hallucination? And then Kevin wakes up again and you realize that entire section was all was a dream or a hallucination. A dream, yeah. Keeps nesting things. I love I love that Matt is the friend that you can call to help you bury a body because he's like, well, I, you know, body's got to have last rights. He's like, I got to make sure that a dead body has its eyes sure closed, has a prayer yeah. said over it. Yeah. But, but yeah, so the, the, he's dealing with all of the, that. And then they stop to, to eat. And Kevin ends up going in the bathroom where he meets Wayne, who yes. I'm, sh- I'm sure we'll circle back around to yeah. at a sec here. But. Wayne basically thinks he is like this second coming of Jesus or what have you, something like yeah. that. And he's like healing people or like, like taking away their their like emotional pain somehow, yeah. some way by hugging them. It's a little unclear, but um, mm-hmm. he, he like Kevin meets him in the bathroom where Wayne is dying, like his like yeah. he's like he's been stabbed or something. Yeah, and is b- it's some injury out. that we have have not seen. We don't know where he got it, why he's in this town particularly. He was like in Ohio the last time we checked in with him. Why is he like outside of Mapleton? A yeah. lot of mystery there. But it so he finds him and Wayne is having a moment of doubt. Like yeah. as he's dead, 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 dying, he he's like, man, I I did did a lot of stuff in my life, but right now I'm not even sure I actually helped. Like I I, yeah. I, I, I don't even know. And so he he's he's like, hey, do me a favor, make a wish, and if 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 it comes true, then I'll know that I helped someone and I can die happy. And yeah. so. We assume Kevin made a wish. Uh, we think we know what that wish is, but he never vocalized it because mm-hmm. immediately after that, Wayne is like, yeah, I can do that one. Wish granted. Mm-hmm. And then he did dies. And then immediately after that, it seems like this. It seems like Kevin, this man who's had his family torn apart. Gets his family again, right? We 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 yeah. see his uh his 
wife and daughter are both safe after having been in this violent attack. Um, yeah. We, we see his son coming back into town uh, with mm-hmm. a baby who we learn that his <laughs> wife was pregnant and uh, I, I assume lost the baby in yes. the departure. And so yeah. now they have this other baby on top of that. So it's like his whole family uh, it has re- re- returned. So I, I really, really enjoyed that. I didn't like yeah. how Nora was then like, look, I found a baby. It's just on the front porch. It's like, no, that's that. that that's don't. Don't ruin this moment, Nora. What are you doing? <laughs> well, I don't know. I, yeah, it seems like he wanted a sense of family back. He did divorce Lori. It's not sure if he's he like, right. yes, I, I would love to have Lori back or I am ready to move on with Nora. Nora finds the baby on the doorstep, which is also like she lost her husband and her two kids suddenly in the departure. And like to yeah. have this new, to have a, a child that may need to be cared for gives her this renewed sense of purpose like she's absolutely yeah. there at his doorstep to like drop off a letter saying kevin i'm sorry i can't do this seems like she's leaving it, to just like go somewhere where nobody knows her and start over that or commit suicide it it, it I think seems she, like I she think was leaving to go to an actual place but for a while she is traumatized at what happened it yeah. seemed like like, hey, if, if if this doesn't work at like, this is my last hope. It, like, if, if this does not work, then I like I'm I'm done. I, I think it. I think she's I think she says that she doesn't have the strength to live nor the power to die or something like that in her letter. Like she doesn't know how to continue living. But I think suicide is beyond her. I think she's going to go out there, try and make a new life or. If not that, just sort of let herself just just sort of fade away, just fall to like emotional entropy, just become nothing, but not necessarily overtly kill herself. All of which is nullified at this point. I think that's when she finds this baby, that pathway, she shuts the door to it. She's not going to continue down that road anymore. Which, yeah, like I, I, I think with... Kevin's family coming back together it doesn't necessarily mean like everything's solved end of show happily ever after like I I don't think that's the case but it is this interesting uh like meeting point so to yeah. speak of like oh hey the the family is all kind of right there now uh that's going to be interesting to see uh and yeah, it it seems like Kevin and Nora kind of have this thing going on uh, th- that that might end up being like, hey, like, yeah, like, let's take this baby and mm-hmm. raise that as our, our new family. Yeah. And like, they, yeah, you know, it, might, it might, might be this like Phoenix kind of thing. We're like, hey, yeah. out of the ashes of my old family, here's this new one that we can maybe find hope in yeah unclear what the future of that baby is because it was it's uh it's wayne this sort of godlike cult leader and uh christine who's one of the girls who hangs around his cult one of his harem but i I feel weird saying she because i like yeah i don't know 
hair. I know, it's not, a, it's not a, a corner of the story we spend a lot of time with, but she has this baby and like she, he's told her like you're special. This baby will be like they call the baby the bridge. Like it seems like maybe yeah. Wayne believes that like if he has a child with this girl to the ones yeah. who departed maybe. Yeah. Get them back unsure. Uh, and so Tommy, uh, he's it's his job to just take care of Christine. They're like on the road, kind of on the run after Wayne's like compound was raided. And. Tommy finds out that Wayne uh, was in the situation with several other girls and he finds another girl who is looks a lot like Christine is also pregnant, is pregnant at approximately the same stage. Like all of this happened at once. She also has like another guy that he saw around the compound who's like her protector. And she's like, no, Wayne told me I'm special. My baby is the prince. I think Christine has her baby and it's a girl when Wayne had, had always referred to the baby as a, as a boy. So she thinks, oh, no, it's not me. I, this is, you know, this is just a regular baby. This isn't a magic baby. And then she, she leaves. She abandons the baby. Uh, Tommy has the baby. And so it's not and like he had told her, like, I'm going to get a job. Like, we can raise the baby together. Like, I'm not going to leave you two. But then she leaves. So it's unclear. Where is Christine? Where did she go? Will we ever see her again? Uh, now that Christine is out of the picture, does Tommy still intend to continue to care for the baby? Probably not, or at least not directly, because he does just leave the baby on his dad's doorstep. Like, I don't know what to do. My my dad will take care of it. Yeah, I I, I feel like Tommy is the most like chaotic, good character in this episode. <laughs> So far, right? Like yeah, he, Tommy he seems, seems to have good intentions. Yes, yeah, he has good intentions. He seems like he's a good kid and all that. He just got wrapped up in this cult that mm. he believes in, and not to a point where he is like, like he's not the evangelical type, but he is this like this follower. Like he's looking for something to just like, hey, hey I'm I, like he seems more like the soldier type where he's like yes tell me what to do and i'll yeah do it um point me at something yeah and yeah but he like the stuff he gets mixed up and yeah the the compound gets raided there's gunfire like it like it's it's intense and then yeah he ends up like he has to like put this money underneath one of the like mail the post office like mail boxes things and you can tell he's so like nervous and scared to do it that he runs there and then runs runs back and but yeah he's just he's so good but he's so chaotic and he's always just screaming like fuck god damn it i don't know what to do god damn and then like the baby gets a baby abandoned Right. And like, just like his first in- in- instinct is just to like go in there, get the baby, baby, baby and protect it. Yeah. And like, yeah, find like he, he has this like f- like per- parental uh, like instinct to to mm-hmm. to to him there. Yeah. But it's just everything is going wrong around him. Yeah. And so, like I like if you could add a new square to that alignment chart, it's like he's tragic. Good. Like, like he himself is not necessarily 
chaotic, but it's everything that's yeah. happening around him. Like he's just stuck yeah. there. I feel like Matt might also be in that alignment square because the episode where Matt, he's going to lose his church unless he like gets enough money to like, um, like, like somebody wants to purchase his, his church and the bank had told him, okay, like we know you're behind on payments. You can keep it for now until somebody makes an offer on it. And then somebody does yeah. and his bankers. Like if you can get me that much money, plus like one more dollar, you if you beat their bid by that much, get me the cash by tomorrow. You can keep the church. And he like has this this episode of faith where like he keeps seeing pigeons all over the place. And he had visited a casino and there's a pigeon loose in the casino. Very happy that that's a scenario that's also in this world. It's just a loose yep. bird in a casino. And he's like, OK, the pigeons are leading me. They're going to show me what to do. And he goes to the casino. He takes like the little bit of money he has left. He he bets and he wins and he does he gets it he gets the money that he needs and yeah. then like the guy who was just standing next to him at the roulette table then tries to steal it from him out in the in the parking lot and he just beats the guy unclear if it is to death we don't follow up with that again nobody ever comes for matt you know like the guy, I mean, had a, the guy a girlfriend or a partner it, there it, in a sense, <laughs> it was self-defense. Like you could argue right. that, and, and, and can, but it was it was also can, like self-defense after the the fact, right? Where like Matt had already gotten beat up, the guy left, and and then like Matt got out of his car to then go follow that guy again and beat him up and steal it. It yeah, it went beyond just the simple fact of I need to get you off of me and I need to get my money back. Yeah, and that he. Oh, what an episode. That episode that like narrowed down character study. I really like Matt. I like the man of faith archetype in a narrative. I like to follow that journey. I I love the hard smash cut in that episode where it just suddenly starts playing Captain and Tennille's love will keep us together with that like (laughs) like that really bouncy synthy music that's like so garishly upbeat where it's just a hard smash cut to him like digging a hole in the ground to like hide money (laughs) that (laughs) sold me that one I love how the show is edited I love all of its sudden aggressive editing yeah yeah it's 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 an interesting show in in indeed I do, however, want to talk about what I didn't like about the okay. show here. Um, again, the, the show is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. But like I said, I was kind of bored through most of it. Um, and then it wasn't really till, I, I don't know, episode seven onwards that it really kind of mm-hmm. started to hook me. But even then, like, I, I'd be okay if I didn't continue Mm. I'd, I'd be fine. like where season one wrapped up is kind of hopeful of just like, oh, look, the family's back together and Nora now has a reason to live. Cool. Good. Yeah. End. right. Um, but I, I thought. The show. So the, the 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 first thing that we see of this show is October 14th, like the the moment the departure. Yes. Ha- 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 happens. And you don't really know exactly what's g- g- going on. Neither do the characters. Um, but beyond that, yeah, it is just 
this whole show is a character drama and it it doesn't focus on the mysteries enough for my taste like I, Uh i i do actually want them to explore what is the departure is this scientific is this spiritual is that like i know we're not going to get in answer mm-hmm. with that like I, I it is a mystery where I, I like despite me wanting them to explore it i know that we're not gonna get that but yeah I, or maybe we I, get something just, at the end but it's not like an ongoing pursuit of the show consistently episode to episode yeah and so instead yeah it focuses on these kind of slice of life moments uh mm-hmm. just these these mishaps and adventures that these characters have and what they're dealing with and again it's good doesn't necessarily keep my attention the way i would want this show to do and i feel like the the stuff that happened in like the final two episodes with the uh with the the what's the the cult's name again the the, the all, guilty all remnant guilty remnant yeah the thing that they do at the end is fucking wild yeah. and I, I i think the chaos that ensues with that i think is equally or or, or could have been equally a let me rewire that could have been a mystery on par with uh what the the whole departure is if you start this hazen with a scene like amidst all of this chaos right where people are running around they're getting shot there's these like weird body bags being left everywhere like you don't know what's happening buildings are on fire but you just get like like 30 seconds to a minute of of that mm. and you're just like what is happening and then it just yeah. goes back to like normal life normal town of mapleton and then you know like by the end of this we're gonna find out how this t- town just descends into chaos like mm. i like ha- like how how does it do that how, how does it go from just quiet normal town with a you, you know where everyone knows the sheriff and they're all like hey the good old sheriff from mapleton you know um like i I, like that to me would have been in incredibly good mystery to kind of sprinkle throughout the show um it's still implemented incredibly well well, the way it is but i just i i felt like i needed a little bit more throughout the show to intrigue me of what's coming down the road um okay like it intrigued me with each character specifically of like okay like here's a little bit more about nora here's a little bit more about matt right like yeah like they they intrigued me on those smaller levels but as like a big like whole thing it was just like i i don't necessarily know why i should care or what i should look forward to and yeah, if they if they had done that one scene where it's 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 Matt and Kevin in the car when they get 
back and they almost hit someone and so, so someone is running out with the gun and is like get back here get 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 and like the shock of that and seeing them just be like what is going on here was wild mm-hmm. and like i like that was the, the the thing that was like i'm in it for this stuff like give me more yeah. of this I- I I want I like that because that was fascinating. I like the shock factor. I like those ongoing mysteries. Like the mysteries beyond what is the departure? Why did it happen? Why did it happen to who it happened to? The first episode has, when it introduces a character, it will have this like brief hard cut to just like 10 seconds of something from their past. Like, yeah. um... Somebody asks, it's like the, the episode one is like the three year anniversary specifically of the departure. And like Kevin's talking to a lady in a bar and she's like, well, what were, what were you doing at the moment of the departure? And it flashes back to Kevin having sex with this woman. Yeah. <laughs> like five abrupt, sharp seconds. And then, I, and then it cuts back to him and I don't know what it is that he actually tells this woman what lie he has. Maybe he's just like, yeah. oh, I was driving. But yeah. But then that doesn't get contextualized until the second to last episode of the season. And like, you don't get anything more about that. You're left to wonder, like, who was that woman? Was this an ongoing affair? What were Kevin's feelings towards her? And then it turns out that it was just some anonymous woman driving through town on a conference. Her car hits a deer. Kevin, you know, as the sheriff is there to help her, he gives her a ride back to her hotel room. And then they go in there. Uh, they just. They just have sex and she disappears in the middle of sex. Yeah. What a thing to traumatize a guy. Absolutely. Like, I loved those sh- like like really condensed, sharp, abrupt, flat, like mini micro flashbacks we got in episode one. Some of which did, con- did get contextualized or some of which like you see and you under like you just that brief moment you understand. Like I think Tommy's he's talking about how he went off to college and then he ended up dropping out and there's a scene of him just standing there on campus seeing two people jump off of one of the campus buildings you can understand yeah "Yeah, i I get what you left i get what you wanted something different but like Lori's flashback was like schoolgirls fighting each other and like was that her when she was very young like you that you still don't completely understand and maybe you don't need to maybe it's not specific plot ingredients maybe it's just uh moods and feelings you know like distant past uh fuzzy traumas that they've carried throughout their lives yeah like uh, that stuff on like an individual more micro level Mm -hmm. is fascinating and i i want to know more about these characters uh because of that and I think the show does a really good job for the most p- 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 part of what you said. These like smash c- 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 cut, like really ag- aggressive, just like, boom, here's this one moment of trauma. And, and then, boom, we're right back to just everyday normal life. Right. Yeah. And I feel like it would have been interesting to see those opening moments of the the trauma of october 14th of the departure 
then to like smash cut three years down down the road chaos like buildings are burning people are shooting one another like how do you go from that to oh it's 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 uh, 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 understandable but like to then have this like three part juxtaposition right where you get the you get the inciting incident you get the like three and a half years later and then you also get the like present day like it's the anniversary like we're just we're we're trying to remember and move on like there is that more like slower melancholy thing in the middle of those two right where it's just chaos on opposite side a big a big chaos sandwich right yeah it, yes that's true the show is a chaos sandwich right but and- like I, I i i guess my point is that like it could have done what I, I I think it could have done a better job of putting that like and chaos a little like sprinkled throughout just a little bit more to like more foreshadowing tease. Yes. Yeah, exactly. OK, exactly. So. I, I understood. I think the only thing I, I really didn't like about the show was the tone of it. But like, I understood why it was that tone. I understand right, why yeah. it feels grim and melancholy and wistful. Even if that's not what I'm looking for in entertainment, I respect why the show is that. And I, it's got enough other things that interest me that I'm, I'm along for the ride, even if it does feel a little sad. Because <laughs> it's not clear what the overall goal of the series is are we ever going to get any sort of answers or is it strictly about just how these people struggle and like move on with their lives and they're living in a period of we're past the crisis you know there's there's mm-hmm. more crises like there's one at the end of the season but it is just like this living with this chronic never-ending trauma just within their lives and that's why the show kind of has a slower pace, why there's not a lot of tension because there's not a lot of uh, immediate pressing concerns or decisions or danger. Sometimes there is. But yeah, this is not um, a thrilling show. (laughs) You would not classify it as a thriller at any point. It is a a, a very interpersonal drama with mystery elements to it. I want to mention some of the little bits of weirdness sprinkled throughout the show that I really appreciated. I love when a drama is just sort of low key weird, like not just has mystery or has like a possible sci-fi or supernatural element to it, but it's something like kind of pseudo comedic. That's just odd. Like I love, I love when Kevin puts his bagel through that, like sort of conveyor belt bagel (laughs) toaster. in in the police station and, and it doesn't come back out <laughs> and you don't know and this is in like episode two maybe so you're still feeling out like how much of the show like is supernatural perhaps and you're like is this bagel really gone did his bagel really vanish and at the end of the episode like he's so obs- like that symbolizes to him just mystery and loss in general and he's like i'm going to find out what happened to my bagel and he like takes like a power drill to this convey you know this toaster like late at night when nobody else is hardly there and he finds like the bagels all like burnt and like crunched up in the back of the machine so you get it a mystery at the end 
But I like for most of that episode, it's like, maybe we never know what happens to his bagel. Bagel I love um, poofed out of thin air. Yeah. uh, The episode where it's Christmas time and Jill has stolen the baby Jesus out of the nativity scene outside, you know, church or whatever. And she's lying about it. You know, she's doing it just to act out. But there is a town mystery if we're like the Jesus is gone and they're like, Kevin, you're the sheriff. You have to find him or like get a new Jesus because it's stressing people out. But the episode starts with completely out of context, cold open. You watch these baby dolls being made in the factory. Yeah. <laughs> and weird. like getting like this weird like rubber like squeezed into a mold and then you pop out a baby head this, you watch like, the doll being assembled and boxed miracle. up and sent to a store yeah yeah you have no idea what's happening until the end where you see like somebody wrap it and buy the baby and wrap it in cloth and put it in a manger and you're like okay oh it's christmas time in mapleton yeah uh yeah, there's, there's a scene Weird mm-hmm. stuff like that. I think the one that stood out to me was maybe the. I, it it still revolves around the cults and and st- and stuff like that. I just oddly like the graffiti, the like save them p- posters that were yeah. all up up around the city after. I don't remember her name, but the one woman who got Gladys. stoned to death. Yeah, and they made these like iconic posters of her face and it says save them underneath just like i i like i like the bit of world building around that how like someone is out there putting these posters up patty hinted that maybe it was even her that like had this stuff done that she was the one that had her killed i thought we find out that it's matt or maybe Matt's doing was... some other sort of a flyer campaign. Matt's, I don't think Matt's the <laughs> one that put the posters up. Of okay. Her, but I think the whole thing that happened to that one woman is still a mystery. They hint that maybe it was Patty that like yes. set this up, but I don't think that's actually the case. I, I, I think that was her just being like, look, she knew what she signed up for. She knew she, she, you know, there would be some people out there that don't like her, but mm-hmm. it's uncertain, and it 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 makes it seem like yeah, is Patty orchestrating some of this stuff to like make a point or to? It to really seems like it was drama? yeah, yeah. So maybe yeah, she's t- somehow put these posters up that then the like smaller members of the cult are then having to go take down and stuff like that and just the whole thing is just strange and it's just like i don't get what's going on here exactly yeah but it's weird i like it (laughs) i one of my favorite bits is in the gladys episode uh and jill's at school and kevin goes to see her to tell her that a a member of her, her mom's cult died He's like, I wanted to hear, I wanted to tell you directly. I didn't want you to hear about this. And, you know, the second he like appears at her classroom door, goes out in the hall and she starts crying because she presumes it's her mom. It's like yeah. that her mom died. Something bad happened to her. And like she's sobbing and like Kevin's trying to like comfort her. And he's like, no, it was somebody else, you know, in the guilty remnant. I'm trying to like uh, tell them to stay inside. I want to place the whole town under a curfew. It's like, it's a very 
you know, emotional, like family scene, but it's in a hallway of the high school. And in the background, you can see like cheerleading practice. Like you can just see like kind of blurry somersaults. And it's not close enough that it is an obvious juxtapositional joke. And it's not distant enough that it's just like sort of like in the background, like you can see it out a window in the field. It's like at the end of the hallway, it's like 40 feet away out of focus in the background. Just these, just that they're doing this like so close to just like somersaults and flips and jumps was really funny to me. I mean, yeah, it 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 is a strange juxtaposition of like Kevin trying to tell his daughter something tragic and to like prepare her to be like, hey, it's not your mom, but it happened near your mom. So if more stuff happens down the road, like I want to prepare you now. Yeah, that she's in a dangerous spot. Yeah, but then in the background, it's like, yay, go team. I love things that like aren't overtly a joke, but are just right on the cusp of that, of this sort of comedic absurdity. Yeah. Something I really appreciate about the show is that the the departure only happened three years ago. And it's a world that's filled with so much rumors and hearsay and lore. I love that we're living in a world that's so steeped in lore so soon so steeped in fresh lore (laughs) like there's a scene where um amy and uh, jill and amy and the twin boys and like some other guy you know people from their high school are like all hanging out in the woods you know they've got one of those classic teen woods hangouts where there's like an old couch out there and there's also an old fridge and they play this game where they put you inside the fridge And they time how long you can last in there before you're like, okay, I can't breathe open the door. Uh, And like they're writing on the outside of it in Sharpie, like what your time is. And the greatest time is like 45 minutes. And they do this in honor of some boy was doing this. Like, you know, I I forget if he was like, if it was a dare or if it was a prank, like other bullies trapped him in there or if one of his friends dared him. But there was a boy who was, you know, their age who was trapped in there. Uh, who got departed, who is believed was departured because they opened it up later and he wasn't in there. But there is that sliver of mystery of like, well, we're pretty sure nobody can get out of this thing on their own. But it seemed like fractionally unclear whether that was the absolute answer or if there's still a little bit of mystery to it. Like the kid actually existed. Like, is this just a story that they made up to... But it's only three years ago. That's the thing. Normally, you'd see in other narratives, or I think even in real life, like, teens have, like, urban legends like that, but they go back, it's, like, decades ago. They're talking about something that happened three years ago. That kid might have been, like, a senior when they were freshmen. Like, it's so close. Like, it's close enough that there would be so many, like, proven facts. It's not just, like, a a mythical boy. It's like, no, we could, like, get an old yearbook and look up specifically who the boy is. We could tell you. Like, we can still talk to people today who were there three years ago where they still probably remember it. But it's presented like it is this ancient myth already of the boy (laughs) who was trapped in the fridge when he, you know, got zapped up to heaven or wherever. Fun times, right? I really like that. I love all of the like rumors and like 
Oh, you heard that everybody from the Perfect Strangers show disappeared. <laughs> In the first episode, I wish I wrote down what these names were, but there is like a, sl- like, you know, Kevin's watching the news. And there is a slideshow of like, famous public figures who disappeared and it's like we lost Shaq. oh man (laughs) i love that they're intermingling like real world things into this narrative like they live in a world that is enough recognizable to our world gary Busey, one of the ones that was on the news (laughs) for something and somebody at this bar is like now i understand memorializing Shaq, but come on you gotta put all these people in a list with gary Busey. (laughs) i love i love this is my favorite part about it that there's after this one event there's so much emotional struggle so much logistical struggle so much investigation but also like rumors crop up i love the world of rumors that that the show has established yeah, because the, there'll, there'll be a, another uh, book and show that I, re- I, re- I, re- I recommend here in a bit. But yeah, it's, it goes past the rumors stage because so many other p- people have left. With 2% yeah. of p- people leaving, society is still there, right? Like, this yeah. is not apocalyptic. Right. It's not like when Scott Lang gets out of the quantum realm and like San Francisco looks like it's a disaster zone. Right. Yeah. No, No, like everything's not that still. Yeah. But it's yeah, it it is this this thing where like. It's filled with rumor, like it's it's in this gray area where it's like, okay, we know a lot of you were departed or know someone who was departed or, or, or stuff like that. But there's still there's certain things that we we might not know. Like there might be characters that we we think was departed, but then maybe in season two and three we learn that they actually weren't, and maybe like they were murdered like just before. Yeah, I I don't have a specific. No, no, I think that's that's a great opening. And again, to to reference uh the blip, you know what a high spider-man's high school teachers is like yeah i thought that my wife got got snapped but no it turns out that she just ran away with her yoga instructor right yeah yeah faked her death yeah just like some fake thing some some twist on that that we have yet to discover it's just yeah it's ripe for secrets and rumors and uh just People using it as an excuse to change or is escape or stuff yeah. like that. So, yeah, interesting. Yeah, I think there's still a lot of fallout of this that we have yet to see. And particularly, I'm still interested to find out, like, who who are the loved ones of our main characters that have been lost? Like, right. Uh, Jill's best friend, Amy, is always at their house. And I'm like, what does Jill live here? And then I'm assuming morning, her parents. Yeah, but then it turns out, no, Jill literally, Amy literally does live there. Why does she live there? Did her parents vanish? Did they die in another way? What is the story there? Why is she there? We still don't know. It's it's implied that her parents vanished, but we're not entirely clear on it. I like that dynamic a lot. I liked Amy just living there at the house. Yeah, she uh, is I think the, was... like, awkward, like, uh, uh, not third whale, but just, like, this awkward 
extra person that's there and i always like that dynamic yes. in a show and then it yes. has this extra tension on top where she clearly thinks uh jail's dead dad is hot and like wants to it's like hey i i wouldn't be opposed if one night things happen to go a certain way but like it it's just this tension there and they they do discuss it in this one scene and that's why she yeah which is another she's a good gray area yeah. yeah, like Jill can see there's like a tension there. And she asks Amy, like, did you have sex with my dad? And Amy's like, yeah, Jill, I did. But she says it like that where it seems sarcastic. So I think that she did. It. I'm pretty sure she did. It. But again, it is. It could uh, also be the like, yeah, I thought you knew. Like we what? like. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. It really seemed to me like she didn't. I don't know. We're, we're going to find out. I feel like if that had happened, we would see more of it from Kevin's angle. And we don't like I think he has a, a dream once where like Amy comes into his room and she, he's like, you're not supposed to be here. And she's like, come with me. And then she leads him to like some other mysterious else, dream yeah. tableau. But of course, we'd have to look at it again. I mean, the, looking the, back the, on it, that pretty it seems more dreamy more hallucination thing, than like a thing Kevin did and then wakes up uh, and he's like, no, that was just a dream. That that one might have really been I mean, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. We don't know like because he is having these episodes. Yeah, th- that we just he doesn't remember them. He d- doesn't know. And yeah, the, the, the few bits that we do see from his perspective is he's like, he just seems confused by her most of yeah. the time. <laughs> it's just, just like why are you still here? And why are you in a bra? Uh, like, Ed, just that, like, you're, you're in high school. Like, I... <laughs> yeah, she walks around truly like it is her own house. Like, she's clearly wearing, like, a thin pajama shirt without a bra on underneath yeah. it several times, yeah. which was part of what clued me into. Oh, I don't think these are just slumber parties. It seems like you live here. Yeah. But what, yeah. I, what I like about Amy is that she does seem to very genuinely care about Jill and about Kevin. Like, mm-hmm. it's not like she just thinks Kevin is hot. Like, she's worried about Kevin's well-being, which I appreciate it. Like, she's worried about both of them and their cohesion as a family unit. Like, it seems like when they're arguing, Amy does not like it. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. she kind of tries to, like, patch things up or she'll, like, if, if Jill is a question, she's like, no, I don't want to talk to my dad about that. Amy will be like, Jill, why don't you ask your dad about that? Or like they'll Jill will live in a leave in a huff and then she'll turn to Kevin and be like, hey, I know you're really trying your best. Like I like yeah. Amy's role as like this weird interloper, um, but also as somebody who's trying to patch things up. Yeah. Yeah. Indeed. Indeed. There's lots of small stuff that we can dig into that we didn't even mm-hmm. really get to touch on. Yeah, there's a lot going on with the show. And I left the season thinking like, OK, I know what the show is doing stylistically. I love how it, I love how it's styled. And I yep. I can tell you the plot of it. I can tell you the themes of it. But I don't know if I have a grasp on the message of it yet. Yeah. Or, or like where where like what's the end goal of this show? Yes. Is it closure? Is it? answers is it 
moving on like yeah what is the end goal of this show that's yeah that's what the plot I think wise and thematically out. wise yeah i don't know what specifically the dialogue is going to be or in a general sense what the show is going to say when it wraps up i don't know where it's going which is exciting i think season season two is going to give us a lot of new things like Tommy has been completely away from his family. We've not seen him talk to his family the whole season, except for the one right. flashback episode. I'm excited to see Tommy like back in town, interacting with his family again. What's that going to be like? I, just seeing the the you know, Kevin dealing with his possible illness, maybe the and they like it seems like he has a greater call to destiny. Which again is like, is this something truly yeah. mystical or is this a, a product of his mind, you know, and something like a, a product of his dad's mind that his dad is feeding to him? And how does National Geographic fit into all of this? Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? Um, yeah, I, I, I enjoyed season one overall. Wasn't my favorite was bored at times um but yeah it's still it's 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 a really really well made show there is some interesting things going on to hook you or to at least hook you on certain characters and stuff like that so i i think it's definitely worth watching but we'll see what happens in season two and three mm-hmm so um which we will be covering down the road more info on that uh in just a sec but melissa do you want to check in on bingo review show bingo all right yes uh personally i don't think i have anything that i can cross off at the moment if i had not crossed off titties before i could do so now yes Uh, lots of nudity in the show but I don't it's really HBO. have anything else. I, 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 I have actor who appears as themselves, but I don't think seeing oh, Gary Busey yeah. on TV is really what I meant by that or what mm. we, we, we meant. Because I don't know if that's like, do they pay Gary Busey to have him be like this cameo appearance on a TV screen? in the show when he it's just a picture of yeah, him yeah yeah the, right? the, 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 there you know is I mean? no actual performance i i the one thing i know about the show is that we've got something like this coming this is what i was alluding to before that there is a um a, an actor as themselves who appears later oh Okay, well, there you go. So I, I might so be able to, to. We will Shaq. by the end of the year. We will. Shaq yeah, appearing as himself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? Uh, but, but yeah, yeah. I, I, don't I don't think I think got anything personally. I have anything either. So, oh well. Bingo was a wash this week as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I and no I, ghost. We've well, actually. We don't I like I uh, that's the thing. We did see Patty ah. after she had died. And it, it, it was it was like a mental we, we, it's unclear. It's unclear, right? If it's a, a mental hallucination yeah. or if I'm, it's just. I don't want to cross that off yet. You're right. She it is unclear 
what exactly that is. So I'm going to wait until we like go further down that road to learn like, also how much of what Kevin is seeing is up. true. Yeah. And how much is, yeah, <laughs> we're going to get ghosts. We'll get there one day. Um, yeah, I so uh, we check in on bingo every week. We're playing to the end of the year just to see how many bingos we can get on a single card. Uh, right now, Melissa, I think you're in the lead two to one. Uh, but I, think I am so. close behind. I have two rows here that just need one thing in each of them um, and and stuff like that. But I think in the new year, I think we're going to expand the size of our card. I think that's what we had yeah. talked about. Uh, so mm. we will have a, a wider number of, of uh, things that we can pick from. So hopefully this next year, it won't be it's like, yep, another like third week in a row, no new things on, on mm -hmm. this here. But uh, yeah, keep that in mind. Nothing new on bingo. Okay, uh, Melissa, do you want to do recommendations? Yeah. Uh, we've already talked about Lost time. plenty. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, it's Lost. You guys know Lost. I feel like we should have a, a, a meta bingo where we've got squares for like every time we talk about Lost. Uh, a, dr a drinking game. Every time we right, mention Lost, yes. take a shot. Yeah. Um. I would recommend Angels in America, which is a stage play and was adapted into an HBO miniseries in uh, 2003. And I remember like watching the Emmys that year because it was like oh, it was like right around when like Lost came on. Oh, no, that okay. would have been the year before in the Emmys. Anyway, maybe. Was, oh, no. You know, why I know this. Golden Globes, because I was watching the Golden Globes for like Lord of the Rings Return of the King. That's what it was. But um, Angels in America was an HBO miniseries that I remember being like a really big deal when it came out, but I was like 13 and I didn't have HBO. So I didn't really know or care what it was. And then I read the play in college in a literature class and I really liked it. And then I got the uh, DVD set of this miniseries. And what the story is is that it's set in. Uh, what a year is it 1985 and well the title the subtitle of it of the play at least is angels in america a gay fantasia on national themes it's about um, the core story of it we follow several characters but it's about this this gay man named prior walter who i mean let me just read you what wikipedia says Set in 1985, the film revolves around six New Yorkers whose lives intersect. At its core, it is the fantastical story of Prior Walter, a gay man living with AIDS who is visited by an angel. The film explores a wide variety of themes, including Reagan-era politics, the spreading AIDS epidemic, and a rapidly changing social and political climate. It's about, um, yeah, like sexuality, faith, you know, like there's, there's, um, Catholicism, there's there's uh, Judaism, there's there's several Mormon characters in it. It's about illness, it's about romance, it's about addiction and fantasy and, and yeah. just trying to deal with living in troubling times and living in the 80s where the, the millennium is approaching. We're going to flip over to a new century, a new millennium. What does this mean for us? How is society going to change? Where are we going? 
you know, and <clears throat> how much of this is up to us and how much of this is, uh, is something, uh, determined by God. It's, sure. it's a show, it, it's a story like the leftovers where it's playing with like very big philosophical themes that uh, sometimes are a bit out of my grasp, particularly nothing in angels in America was something I could like personally grab onto. There's nothing that I was like, ah, yes, I relate to this. I've been there, but it's very rich characters, very beautifully told. And I love the story stylistically. Like the mini series has a really great cast. I've been thinking about this lately because it was like the first thing I ever saw, uh, first time i ever took notice of jeffrey wright <laughs> great okay. performance by jeffrey wright in this uh He's your boy james yeah. cromwell briefly appears <laughs> uh al pacino meryl streep emma thompson big cast but it uses a lot of double casting the same actors will appear over and over again in different roles uh there's symbology behind that there's stories that just like crash and intersect into each other you're not sure what's real an angel like breaks through the prior ceiling and it's like was that real was he really visited by an angel what does that mean yeah i'm doing like a very sloppy job of explaining this because i haven't watched or read this thing uh, in like almost a decade but i remember it very fondly it's a beautiful like really impressive story definitely worth going back to now that hbo max makes it easily available maybe yeah. i'll pitch this sometime <laughs> i'd love to talk to you about it okay yeah. okay that's fair that's fair i think that's a good recommendation <laughs> recommendation um i would like to recommend why the last man this is uh -huh. a, a graphic novel series. It's a comic book that has recently been turned into a television show uh, that is on FX on Hulu. It's available on Hulu. Uh, currently, as we are recording this, the season one is happening now. New, new episodes are coming out every Monday. Um, so you can watch the season there, but the graphic novel series is written by Brian K. Vaughn, uh, who wrote one of my favorite comics, The Runaways. Uh, he's also written Saga. He was also a writer on Lost, um, mm -hmm. stuff like that. Uh, but he, yeah, he's one of my favorite creators, but it is about... Uh, it's it is more post-apocalyptic than this show, but this is the one that I was referring to, to where more people disappear than what happens in this uh, show, because in Why the Last Man, all the males die. Every male mammal dies. So it's not just humans, but it's animals. Two, but yeah, it ends. I gotta up... say that is something I had to keep reminding myself watching the leftovers because I keep thinking about Infinity War, where Thanos right. does kill half of all life, including animals. And I'm like, yeah. wow, nobody talks about how their dog went missing, and I'm like, right, because that it, was Marvel. It, it That's not here. This, this was humans yeah. only. Yeah, um, but yeah, it it ends up being this story, um. 
at, 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 at least its larger themes kind of behind the scene is like, how does society move on from that? How would it change and adapt? Because society really broke down after that because it's, it's an interesting look on like male dominated industries and stuff like that. And I think, the, excuse me, the marketing campaign for the show was putting out these posters that like that had stats of like 80% of c c cops would disappear or mm. uh, like, you know, I'm me hanging up numbers, but like 93 percent of go go government officials would disappear <laughs> would d d d d d d d disappear and stuff like that and so you really start to see like hey there's a bunch of industry industries out there that are dominated by men and just would basically stop working if they all disappeared and so these women have to kind of step up and be like hey i've always been here i actually do know how, how to run this thing or i like they kept me at this lower position so i i don't know what to do with the the with with these things and now we have to figure it out um but the the whole thing with why the last man is that even though all the men have died there is one man named whose name is yorick uh as well as his pet monkey ampersand hand uh they have somehow survived they are the last uh like living male mammals uh and no one really knows why and so people are reacting to it differently uh, the government wants to get their hands on him. Scientists wants to get their hands on him. Everyday women just want to get their hands on 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 him because he is the last man. They haven't had sex yeah. in a while. And in the meantime, he doesn't want any of that. He's just like, I just I want to find my girlfriend who was out in Auster Australia at the time. And and I like I just want to get to her. Can you all just leave me alone? <laughs> mm. uh, so he 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 feels like he's stuck in the midst of all these things going around going on around him, similar to Tommy or Matt, uh -huh. uh, where he's yeah. just he's he's just there. Uh, this is not a like male power fantasy. Ha ha! I can sleep with any woman I want to now that I am the last man on earth. No, it's not that at all. Um, but yeah, it's a good book, but is uh, much more post-apocalyptic uh, than than this show here. I would recommend that. Nice. There, there was another um, comic book, another graphic novel that I would throw out is um, Old Man Logan. Interesting. Okay. Because I remember reading that and that had a similar, uh, everybody was living in a time of rumor. Like society had, in that point, like this is a post-apocalyptic story full on. Like yep. <laughs> society has totally Villains crumbled. Villains have taken over yeah. society. Yeah. Yeah. But I, another story that I was like, I think this is too grim for me, but part of it that I do love is that there's so much rumor going around because like, communication has fallen and everybody's like 
I don't know where Reed Richards is. Somebody said that they heard from somebody that he might be over there. <laughs> who like nobody's right. clear on who lived, who died, where anybody is, what anybody's doing. I like a narrative that operates in that kind of a, a gray area. Yeah. Uh, one more thing I would recommend uh, is something we covered recently on the show. Uh, House of Leaves. The, 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 the <laughs> book that we, sure. we read uh, not too long ago at the start of September. Um, House of Leaves is a horror book, but I think in a similar way to this show, there is kind of this in, inciting incident slash thing uh, yeah. that is happening. And, and it, 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 it's the, the book is more so in like exploration on how the characters react to this thing. Right. Um, in House of Leaves, it is about this house that is larger on the inside than it is on the outside and it is there's this doorway basically into infinite blackness it just leads to more rooms without windows and hallways and stairways into nothingness and it's just them like trying to figure out what this is Mm. and cope with it and families are torn apart and brought back together and so on and so forth um and it's it's an interesting character study uh much like this is so i would recommend house of leaves yeah there you go that's all the recommendations i have though okay next week we are beginning our spooky month and we are watching the australian we're watching the Australian horror mockumentary Lake Mungo, which is about a, a family whose daughter has died and they think they've seen her ghost. And it's about that paranormal investigation and that digging into that daughter's life. And maybe the, she had secrets that the family didn't know about. Yeah, Again, I'm, all told through a, a fake documentary format, which is interesting, something we haven't covered before. Yeah, I'm I'm interested in this a lot. I kind of like the, I don't know if I can call it a, tr- a trope, but I like the idea, or I, I like when, when stories will dive into a character's past, especially if they're dead, mm. dead, dead, or if they're, they're, they're no longer, like, a part of the story, so, so to speak. Yeah, like diving into their past and exploring the mysteries of that character's past. Um, yeah, I, I don't know what to expect. I am huge, baby. Do not like scary <laughs> stuff. Horror month is always uh, d- d- uh, nerve wracking for me because <laughs> we, we have not we have not really done something that I have felt like truly horrified or like scared of yet. Uh, yeah. but I know it will happen. <laughs> well, if you ever get too scared, let me know and we'll we'll pull the Casper card where we drop what we're watching oh. and instead we watch Casper. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, not gonna ha- happen. I will <laughs> tough it out. Uh, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I am, you have one baby. Casper I, card. I... You can cash in at any time. 
I like that idea. <laughs> That's funny. And we call but, uh, this. Yeah, that, is, um, that is what we are up to this next week. Yeah. And we call this our end of the month special. What we're doing when we check in with a show. We normally do record it the last, you know, Sunday of the month. But we do fudge that a little bit for October because last day of the month, that's Halloween. We got we to gotta suck every Halloween drop out of the month of October. So we'll yeah. actually next be recording about the leftovers uh, on November 7th. So look for that on uh, November 10th. So next time yeah. we will, uh, you'll hear us talking about the Garveys and friends. Indeed. Yeah. So we will be covering season two of the leftovers early November and then season yeah. three of the leftovers late November. Uh, it, at, at least when we record it, it'll be that last yeah. uh, weekend in November, November. I'm not sure what date that falls on exactly. Um, but uh, it'll be out that, would that be... following Wednesday. So. Yeah. You and I will be recording our next uh, leftovers episodes on November 7th. And then three weeks after that on November 28th. There you go. Good stuff. Good stuff. Indeed. Um, but yeah, for next week, Lake Mungo. Uh, do you know if this is available on streaming services I, here I in the U.S.? I think it's for free on Tubi. Okay. It free is low. It, it's it's a more obscure movie, but it is locatable. Yeah. Okay. Good to know. Good to, to know. Uh, but that's what we will be up to this next week. I'm excited to dive into Horror Month. Uh, nervously excited <laughs> as I always am. Um, You'll yeah. dive in, but you got your water wings on and your big like uh, oh, yeah. inflatable donut around your middle. Exactly, exactly. Uh, yeah, I'm excited. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, that is what we will be up to this next week and down the road. Melissa, where can mm -hmm. the people find you on the internet? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at WilkyWit, the W-I-L-K-Y-W-I-T, and listen to my other podcast, Saturday Morning Obscurities, where me and my brother Jams talk about weird old kids shows you feel like only you remember. There you go. Uh, if you guys want to stay up to date with me, I'm at Yo Kyle Springer. And if you guys want to follow all of the stuff that we do here at The Whatnots, we are at The Whatnots on Twitter. So go like, share, subscribe, sell your soul. You guys know the deal with all that stuff. Tell a friend, tell a foe. Write it uh, on a notepad and show it to your local sheriff because you can't speak. Write it on your hand, not pennies, boat style, right? Yeah, and mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> uh, do all of that stuff. You guys know the deal. That would help us out a ton. Uh, but with that, I think that concludes number 166. No, what what did I say? Uh, one, 176. One? 176. I, I, I knew it, it was a six at the end. Uh, oh, 176. That concludes <laughs> the Whatnots Review Show 176. We will see you all next week. Bye. Bye. <laughs>